Okay, everyone. Uh, my prompter, my teleprompter is not here. So I'm going to have to have some encouragement from some of you to uh, know how this works. So for the visitors to sit back and relax and uh, enjoy, but for those of you who know how to keep me on the right track, I'll be watching for the time. <laughs> you know, one of the great things about this church is this church. I really have come to love and appreciate uh, this church and the fact that God has led us here. And uh, when we're talking about history, Antico, we go back a long way to the MCC. I was just teacher here many times. I don't think it was 40 years ago, but pretty close to it. And uh, we loved every time that we were here at that time as well. So, the post said, let's dive back into Psalm 1. By the way, just to give you a heads up, at the end of my message, I would like to have a, a time of prayer. And if you have a prayer request or something that is on your heart, for someone who that you might think that you're ready to lead them to the Lord, then uh, we would be open to that at the end of this message. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is, in fact, life to us. And without it, we really could not walk in a Christ-like life. We thank you that it is precious. We thank you that it is like water to us. It's our energy. It's our light, our lamp. And we, we honor it because of who your son is called, the Word. And we learn so much about him from this written word, this inspired word. Open our hearts and our, our minds and allow us to understand the wonderful things in your law, in your precepts, in your teaching to us. Every one of us here. Our hearts will be open to receive the word and time. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> psalm 1, I, I told you last week, is a, an, an incredible psalm. Uh, and I think I asked you last week, but I'm going to ask again. How many of you have memorized this psalm? Good, good. Well, Daniel and Emily would, say, Emily, would you come up and, no, I'm just going to I'm going to ask you this in insight. But what we'll do is, is we will read it together, okay? Thank you. So, are we on that right now? Okay, so let's go. <coughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the council of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scholars, but his life is in the law of the Lord, 
Christ Jesus and how they should walk, how their demeanor and their lifestyle should be portrayed in nine. So that we have those nine and our life in Christ. You get the idea? He is the one who completed, fulfilled. His life is the life that we have, that we can walk in those nine blessings. He's the one that we go to. And following the ninth one, it says, rejoice and be glad. And the Christian life, I believe, is a joyful lifestyle, full of joy and blessing. That is his legacy to us. That is his gift to us as we walk in Christ. It is not a drudgery. It is not the law. It is not a burden on us. But we are full of joy in doing his commandments. Because it's his life in us. The, let's skip for a little bit here to uh, what that is a man that does not walk in his mouth. Okay? When Jesus is uh, talking <coughs> about the blessed person, blessed are you if men say all matter things against you for my sake. When he's talking that way, he is actually placing on us the responsibility to be the light in the world. That we are his witnesses. We are actually Christ in the world. Someone has said we are little Christ. That may sound like um, heresy or, well, I'm not really like that. Well, yes, you are, and that's what he's making you. That is what his word does. So that when people see us, they see Jesus. That's scary. To think that someone gets an impression of what a Christian is from looking at me, I believe that that is the onus, or that is the opportunity, the gospel, that Jesus is, has left for us to be in Luke in the world. That's who we are to be. In fact, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Well, he said about himself that he was the light of the world. And he then turned there and said, you are the light of the world. So we walk with that expectation that his life in me is what my colleagues, my family, my closest friends, maybe my husband or my wife, will see and know by looking at me. 
Now that's a lot of pressure. That's like that's too much. You would think. That's worse than the law. The Ten Commandments. You can put your hand up right like this and say, Do you agree? <laughs> Some people think the Christian life is impossible to live. It is. If you're living it as just imitating. But if you're walking in his power and his life, like we talked about last week, a Chinese author, Watchman Nee, wrote a small little book called Sit, Walk, Stand. He turned the uh, these uh, verb, uh, verbs there, walk, stand, sit, he turned them around a little bit. To sit, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians talks about that. We talked about it last week. And so he starts with sit, because you've got to sit first. You have to see that in uh, Ephesians it says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we start at a place of rest, and not just a place of Let's get out and do something. We need to rest and know that we are in Christ. And that's where we are as believers. According to the scripture, we who have believed in him are seated with him. Seated with him. We are seated with him. Not something. Not in heaven by and by. We now are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I hope you've heard that last week. I've meditated on that and thought about that. I hope you'll do that again this week. It also means that we are to walk. And our walk has to be walked in a worthy manner of what we have been called to in Christ. To walk worthy of our calling as Christians, as little Christ in our world. And by walking, we're modeling. We're modeling Jesus Christ. How would Jesus do it? Look at the blessings in Matthew 5. Apply those to your walk. That is what I believe Jesus That's the law of Christ, which sets us free from the law of sin and death. And then finally, we stand. And we talked about this last week as well. That we Stand not in a offensive kind of way, but we stand there in a defensive mode or manner. You know, in Ephesians, it talks about the armor of God. And above all, it says, stand. 
put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the lies, the tricks, the ploys of our enemy. And his ploy is to upset you and to cause you to fall. Um, no, I'm not going to do it. I was going to do an illustration of this, but uh, Dave's not a big enough man to do this with. <laughs> it's very easy to throw someone off that uh, balance as they are walking. Because you, you know that walking is basically a balancing act. You're always off balance as you lift your right foot and then as you lift your left foot. Standing is a, you're planted. And when an enemy comes at you, you have the armor, you have the equipment to be able to hold him off. Some of you are looking forward to next week to the uh, Super Bowl game. I'm glad we don't have it at the same time in our, with our uh, uh, service. Back in the States, I feel bad for those pastors there. Particularly the ones on the West Coast. When it's right during service time, half the congregation are watching the phone to see who made the next four. That's terrible. What kind of Christians are we anyway? But my point is, and the point that I had last week is, that God didn't send us out to conquer the world and to, to grab territory for him. That's not his purpose for the church. His purpose for the church is that we be that we stand in the place God has put us in. Whether it's your job, in your school, in that particular class, or in that neighborhood, or in that family, your family, not for the purpose of maintaining that territory that belongs to Jesus Christ. This world doesn't belong to Satan, even though he's called the God of this world. This world belongs to Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave, or he purchased, the right to draw the world to Jesus. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the ground that I have, whether it's in an orchestra or whether it's in teaching English, or wherever God puts you, that's, as a Christian, that's the ground you stand. <clears throat> I am a representative of Jesus Christ. I'm on guard here. And you can't dislodge me. That's where God has placed you. And that's where He wants His light to shine.
okay. Uh, I don't want to stick it. He's out till third Sunday. But let's go on to the next point. Dealt with uh, the delight of the law of the Lord, and we draw he meditates day and night. Yeah, John, first John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is the law of Christ. That is his. That is what he declares for us as those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. That is how we are able to, to declare without embarrassment to the world that we are in Christ. Well, you're a sinner just like I am, you might report. Yes, I am. I do sin. But in my confession to Jesus Christ, I am cleansed. I have become a new creature. There's many, many verses that back this up. That we, in Christ, are free from the, the consequences and the stigma and the punishment sin. God wants us to be a holy people. And by coming to him on that basis, not on our own good works, but on the works that he has done for us in our lives, and we are free. And Satan does not have a hold on us. We need to learn to rest. The work that he has done for us on the cross. That's why there is a cross. We deserve to hang there. We couldn't go. We're not good enough. Jesus Christ is the only one good enough to have become our sacrifice. The sacrifice for us. The Lamb of God. Okay, this is today's message. <laughs> he is like a tree planted by the streams of water. It yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Or, that last word, prosper, could be understood with another word. All he does, he succeeds. And the reason why I point that out is because there's some common teaching, particularly in the Western church, that God wants you to be prosperous. And they're talking about if you ask God, He'll bless you. 
You give your life to God, He'll bless you with material things. That is a lie. That is a false doctrine. In fact, in the Beatitudes, if you read down to number nine, number eight and number nine, it talks about if you are persecuted, blessed are you. You are succeeding if you get flack, if you get uh, people coming at you because you are a Christian in your workplace or in your neighborhood or whatever. You're actually blessed by that. Blessed are you when they then say all kinds of things against you. That is a mark of blessing. And so it's not in the material things that you receive. Yes, God has uh, promised to us in Scripture that He will provide us those things that we need. He is, he's true to that. But our Christianity is not based on, well, I just want God's material blessings. And that's what we have in many churches, in many pulpits, that's what's being, being, being preached. And I don't believe that that is a true God. Quite the contrary. If you declare that you're a Christian, watch out. Duck. Hold your ground. <clears throat> because they hated him, they will hate you also. And we need to, to know that and be prepared for that and not just thinking, well, God loves me and he's going to give me everything that I need. Yes, he will give you everything you need, but not everything that you want. And so we need to learn how to walk as Christians, expecting that, yes, we will have those things that we need, but we're not going to have everything that will just be a cushy life for us. And I think that that's what's happened to us in, in the United States, is we've become cold, or as in the Laodicean, Laodicean church, is lukewarm, neither cold or hot. And that indictment is, you wish you were cold or hot, but as lukewarm, not really on fire Christian, he says, Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's an indictment against us. He is like a tree planted by the streams of waters. Not a lot about trees this week. <clears throat> you know that the redwood trees in uh, Northern California are the tallest trees in the world. Some of them are as high as 110 meters. And up on the very top are branches that have uh, needles. They're like a cedar, they're a cypress-type tree. And 
those leaves at the very top are incredibly powerful. I mean, powerful. They can draw water from the roots of that tree all the way up through the tree up to where they need to be to keep that tree alive. Hundred and uh, ten meters high. Those flimsy things waving in the, uh, the wind. Incredible. This leaf also God looks at us as trees. And yet, trees in the redwoods are so huge, the uh, uh, trunk is about as big as this uh, section of this tree. It takes many men to go hand to hand go around this tree. Maybe some of you are already driven through the redwoods, driven your car through the trunk of one of those trees. How many have done that? <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. God looks at us as trees, planted by the streams of water. And the translation really means not is like taking a seed and putting it in the ground, but taking a seedling and planting it where you want it to be in a place that's well watered so that it will grow. I received uh, a few years ago in my house uh, property in uh, Washington State two Nashi trees. <laughs> and they were uh, several years old, uh, about two or three years old, and I transplanted them to my place, and I hoped that they would be able to survive. And I pampered them and helped them along as they spent their first year in my backyard. Well, I was shocked. The next summer after I planted, or actually in the spring, when I saw all this fruit on this mighty Sashi tree, and we have enjoyed that, those trees, that fruit, for many years, transplanted them. That's what this is saying. He is like a transplanted tree. How many of you were born as anybody born here? You were when you were delivered there in the hospital, you were a Christian. Anybody here? No. You know what? We're all transplants. We were born into this world, but we were brought, transplanted into the kingdom. He will be like a transplanted tree by the streams of water. And the streams of water are
life of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's the living life that keeps us alive as Christians. As we stand our ground where God has come. It yields truth. <clears throat> God intends us to have truth in our life. You know what? It takes time to produce fruit. And most uh, trees, unless you're in Kenya, or other places like, like Kenya, probably Uganda or uh, other African countries, maybe South America, I'm not sure, are trees that just produce all year long. But in the Northwest and here in Japan, now we have to wait, uh, wait season by season for maturity of the tree and also for the season in order to produce fruit. Jesus went to a tree, a fig tree, and looked at it. It wasn't producing, and he cursed it. God intends us to be trees that produce. That's why he called us to himself. Now we don't expect that new believers, new Christians, if you became a Christian last week, we don't expect that you're going to have a good, large Fuji apple hanging on your branches. <laughs> that's, that's not natural. It takes time to make food. I was going to go into some of that, that and uh, how, it, how it, uh, the tree uh, makes fruit, but I haven't got time. It yields its fruit in its season. It takes time to grow in Christ. It takes time to, be, to, to learn the scriptures and to apply them in our lives and to get them into our hearts and work out our salvation. To work out that Christian life. And it becomes a natural process. It's not something that you try, oh, oh, try to get fruit. No. It's a matter of what? To go back to resting. And giving him the credit and looking to him for that. Being in a prayer meeting and, yeah, as saying, Lord, give me this job. Lord, do this for me. Do that. Those are good prayers, but they're not really fruit bearing. But when you start saying, Lord, I need your word in my life. You plant it deeply. I meditate on your word. It brings to us that growth process. Just to have things, or pray for my Uncle George. 
Yes, Uncle George probably does need your prayers. But you should be praying for that. And let the rest of us carry the load of praying for the body of Christ. Shoring up what we have here. Your Uncle George is your responsibility. So that the corporate body of Christ may begin to produce fruit. Those who are amongst us to grow in their wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ in their lives. That's what we, we pray for the members of MCC. That we come to a greater understanding of the body of Christ, how it functions, and how his life flows through us together in our fellowship, in our praying together, in sharing the word with one another. You want to bless someone? Ask God to give you a verse of scripture for your friend or your brother or sister. There are many, many blessings that we can give to one another. When you write a letter, or here's even a better one, not a letter, because we don't even know what letters are. Uh, email. When you write an email, Hi, Don. Uh, hope you have a good day today. Uh, see you tomorrow. Ron. Kind of empty. But put some blessings. I always try, not always, but I try to make my emails a little more uh, with spiritual life in them. And meaning rather than just we've become so casual emailing one another that all of the niceties, all of the proper addressing one another, honoring one another, caring for one another is parsed out of it. We need to learn how to write to one another in blessings. And there's some of you that do that here and it blesses me. And you write emails to me and at the end say, Ron, bless you. Thank you for the message. Now, this week, don't send a lot of <laughs> But it does bless us from one another when we do that. So that we become the body of Christ loving one another. And You'd be surprised how it brings the food out. Yeah. And leaf does not wither. You know, the uh, you have a plant at home that uh, all of a sudden it gets a brown spot on it or along the fringes of the of the leaves. Miami's smiling because she's got how many can confess that you have some plants? You know what they're doing? You know what that plant is doing? That brown spot is really a plug. It's to stop water from being evaporated from the plant. It's a plug. 
Because as that plant pulls up the water into the leaf, the plant gives off uh, moisture, it evaporates off, but more water is pulled up into it. But if there's a lack of water coming, all of a sudden, that plant says, whoops, I'm losing water, and floods it like a wood, uh, like a cork. And that's what that brown Now that, there's also a, the opposite effect. If you're pouring too much water on it, it's also going to say, whoops, I'm getting too much water. I don't want any more. And put the plug there. So it's a balance. Watering your plant. Katie always likes to overwater our plant. I like to underwater them. And we, we don't fight over it, but we uh, discuss it. <laughs> We're talking about natural spirituality. That's really what this is. We're talking about. This is what God wants us to be aware of. Spirituality isn't something out there or mysterious. <laughs> We can use the natural processes of what God has planted and, and uh, created to look at and understand. The spiritual life is exactly the same way. He's the one that created this world. And we can use his principles of growth and fruit production from just use your head. Look at what God does. And that's what he wants us to do. It's what I call natural spirituality. And it's looking at how God orders his world, his natural world. God doesn't have batteries either, by the way. That's an invention of man. He does have batteries. There are some. But... And that that light, the leaf is really a battery, but it's not a battery in terms of electricity. Although there are electrons that are happening in the leaf, uh, energy produces food for a plant, and that's how the plant lives. You have to have leaves in order to be able to for the plant to live. If you don't have leaves like the big tree that's sitting right out in front of our church here, last year it died. And the city came and cut it down. <clears throat> the leaves, it wouldn't put out its leaves. It lost its whole process of drying up water and, and nutrients into itself and then uh, creating leaves for energy and food for the plant or the tree. God expects us to be the same way. He's made us like trees. So your daily reading, you might not think that anything's happening by reading 
God's word every day. You might think, well, I've read this now for a whole month through this Bible reading program that I'm on, and I don't feel anything different. I bet you there's a lot of trees that can say the same thing, but it's the process that God has for us, and it's not going to be big events that happen, but you will begin to grow in your spiritual life. Trees take time to grow. Christians need time to grow. It's a logical process. And if you think, well, I've come to Jesus Christ and now I want to give my testimony at MCC. I now am a believer and I want you to be just like a believer and be just like me. No, uh, you're as bad as uh, the pastor we have. We need to learn how to apply God's word and life to ourselves. The Bible says, don't uh, lay hands suddenly on anyone and say, you're going to preach next week. Don't have an office as a leader. We all need to grow. And growing is a natural spiritual thing to do. And God blesses us for that. That is his design for us. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Actually, the word here, wind, is the sweeping effect of a woman uh, with a broom sweeping the chaff away. Apparently, that's the Hebrew word there, a woman sweeping and moving the, the chaff away. There's no root, there's nothing to create energy other than burning it. And the chaff is worthless. And the wind sweeps it away. So the woman's uh, broom sweeping the chaff. Chaff, okay, maybe some of you don't know what chaff is. Chaff is the hull around, like, say, a wheat um, grain. It's uh, like around the rice. There's a hull or a coat around the grain of uh, wheat, or uh, of rice. And that's taken off, and that is thrown away. In fact, uh, I think in the fall here in Japan, uh, you, burn the, you burn that chaff, and even the straw. And that's why the air gets kind of smoky, and you can't see Fuji uh, uh, But that is that is worthless. Um, it's not worth anything of value. That's what the wicked are like. We look around to our neighbors and the troubles that they are in, the life that they lead. We feel badly for them. 
your life is hollow. Mm. You spend all that energy and time in building your life, and it's wiped out in a flash. Your life is gone. One of the most the saddest thing that I've experienced is going to a funeral here in Japan and, and seeing the despair and death here in Japan. She, number four, is equated with death. It used to be that we didn't have the fourth floor of the building here in Japan because it was the of the That's the destiny, that's the end of those who have not trusted in Jesus Christ. And we as priests, we as having the life of Jesus Christ, that's why they need to see Jesus in us. That's why it's important for us to grow and speak, so that others can enjoy what they see and what they can translate to, do I have this as well? Yes, you can. Here's how you can receive this tonight. That the wicked will not stand. They have no roots. And God has creation. Therefore, the wicked will not stand it in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And then my last one here. For the Lord knows the way of the wicked. This word knows is the same word that it means. When it says that in the Old Testament, man would go into the tent and he knew his wife. Intimacy. The Lord knows the righteous. He is intimately aware of who you are. He's that close to you. He's in you. And that is the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. It's not just a casual, well, I know this person. No, it, it means much more than that. Jesus gave many parables about the differences between sheep and goats, wheat and hares and wheat, the righteous and the unrighteous. Those whom he knows, definitely, there is a difference. We are known to him. John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. We are known in Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate in relationship. It supersedes even the relationship between person and wife. It is that relationship which makes all the difference in your life. And if there's some of you who are here this morning and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, as the one who died for you, gave himself for you, you can have the same life that most of us here in this congregation have. But you know, if you were to die tonight, you would spend eternity with Jesus Christ and with the rest of us. That's the assurance all of us have that death has no change to us. Death is just a gateway for us into heaven. And that's the assurance that we have as Christians. We haven't seen this or thought of a wonderful plan. This is scripture. And God wants all of us to hold that relationship with Jesus Christ to be the ultimate relationship that you can have. Even above your husband or wife. Even above a brother and sister. Even above the boss you work with. He's calling on us, all mankind, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened count, and you can't make it through life. Come to me and learn of me. Learn of my life. And you shall have, you shall have rest, rest yourself. So we've got a complete circle now of being in that place of sitting with Christ in heavenly places, resting in him. That's how we start as Christians. That's how we continue as Christians. That's how we end as Christians. Bless the Lord. We thank Him for His work. And we pray for those of our friends who are on the way to the And we want MCC to be a light for in Kiki Doji Dori, and in Kiki Doji, and in Tokyo, and in Hawaii. Let's pray. If there are any of you here who want to hear more of how you can become a Christian, 
how you can allow Jesus to get to know you and you to know him. There are people here and myself, we'd like to talk to you. We'd like to share with you more of what I've been talking about. So that you can understand what it means to be a true Christian. If you are hearing this for the first time and you desire to know Jesus Christ, you desire to know more. We'd like to have one of us pray for you. Indicate on hard or maybe even right now. Raise your hand and let me just with my eyes open and see whether there is one of you or two of you or some of you who would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is in your heart, and something was tugging at your heart this morning. Maybe you could indicate with your hand raised whether you would want to believe in Jesus or learn about him. There is anyone here who you have a burden for a relative, a friend, and you want us just now to pray for them, you also can raise your hand. Say, indicating, pray for my friend, pray for my Father, pray for my mother. Raise your hand. Thank you. Mr. Adolis of you who are carrying burdens, not of your own, but of others who you are really desiring yourself. God answers. Emergent prayer for them. We heard some requests last week. Those who are ill, very ill. Henry's dad. Perhaps you just learned that up in all of you can very, very difficult places. Physically, spiritually, mentally. We'd like to pray together for them as well. We could raise your hand as well. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We're not talking to the ceiling or to the back wall. We're speaking to the living God, the one who sits on the throne, 
thank you that we've come in boldness because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of his death on the cross for us. And we lift our hearts to you, Lord Jesus. Receive from us these requests. We're not begging. We're not in despair. But we are trusting, we're believing, we're asking. Intercede for us in these needs as we agree together, heart to heart, here. We know before we ask what our needs want. And so we just say, Lord Jesus, we need you. Right now. bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you in all your life. The Lord lift up his confidence, his presence, his love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.